Chime in, anytime. <laughs> oh no, I'm enjoying this far too much. Haven't you ever seen a rare hairless Wookiee before? Oh. Always remember I am here. Always remember I am Not a Wookiee. Hello there, and welcome to episode 34 of Distant Echoes, a Star Wars podcast where we travel through the galaxy watching each episode of every Star Wars TV series in whatever order we please. I'm your host, Cassie. And I'm your other host, Chopper's cousin, Mincer. Mincer. Beep, 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 boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's got to get his, like... His droid... Brain calibrated. Yeah. I also thought for some reason you were going to say, my name's Tommy. I don't know why I thought that. I'm your host, Cassie and Tommy. Also, you're Tommy. I am. But you're also Mincer. me. You voice act for him. (laughs) And instead of having little uh, hands, he has little like uh, blender wheels. Blender wheels. (laughs) He's a chef. He minces. Anyway, we literally really are watching this in any order we please because we just finished... What did we just finish? We just finished Tales of the Jedi. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't been, if you've been tuning in infrequently, or you're just tuning in for the Bad Batch episodes, one, we're back to the Bad Batch, um, and today we're actually going to cover three episodes. We usually just do two, but beep, beep, beep. we're trying to. We actually there was a weird kind of one-off episode. Uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah. That was in the middle of It's kind of good we're parters. starting back on that one because it doesn't pick up anywhere. Yeah, it's a really... probably That one's probably going to be like the quickest one, but yeah. uh, it, it is interesting. There's some interesting stuff about it. Uh, but uh, we just finished Tales of the Jedi. If you're just tuning in for Bad Batch and you want to go back and listen to those episodes, the previous three, we, we covered that. Uh, and then before that, we covered the two uh, Cad Bane episodes of the Bad Batch. So if you want to, if you want to refresh her on those, you can go back and take a listen. Also, we mentioned this on our previous episode, but we did cover the Star Wars holiday special yes. at some point. Uh, what did I say at some point? In the past. So if you want to go back and check that episode out, be sure to do that as I can't well. wait to put that on again. I might put that on today while I'm wrapping presents. Yeah. It's, I might watch it every day this week. It's the perfect... It makes imperfect feel holiday special and it's great because it's not actually for any particular holiday when it's you're being just... forced to sit down and watch it you're like when will this end but if you just have it on the background it's like oh yeah that scary uh guy that makes robot noises that's trying to fix that thing is on tv now <laughs> yeah. let me look away when it gets too weird if you've never seen the holiday special now is the time you gotta do it uh, but yeah, go check it out. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today we're talking about episodes 10, 11, and 12 of The Bad Batch. So I think we only have two left after this. Uh, two more episodes of our show dedicated to it. it. Yes. There's 16 episodes. So yeah, so we'll be, yeah, two and two is four. So we'll be wrapping up right as... Season two comes out. So excited. I'm so glad we did this. Like I said, I have a horrible memory, and I'm very glad that we will be finishing this right before the newest one comes out. Yeah, so it actually premieres on January 4th, so we're going to be kind of like 
probably finishing season one as the first couple episodes of season two kind of drop. We are getting, uh, my understanding is we're getting two episodes, I believe either two or three. Uh, actually, sorry, it looks just like two are going to premiere on the fourth. Uh, and then it's going to be uh, weekly after that. So okay. on the 11th, the 18th. And, and just real quick, I mean, we do have, if we just want to talk about it real fast, we have the episode name. So premiering on the fourth, we have Spoils of War. Mm-hmm. Ruins of War. I'm guessing those are, you know, those are probably going to be a two-parter. Uh, and then we have the Solitary Clone Faster, Entombed Tribe, The Clone Conspiracy, Truth and Consequences, The Crossing, Retrieval, Metamorphosis. That one I'm a little mm. interested in for sure. Um, and then we have The Outpost, Pabu, Tipping Point, The Summit, and the final episode, which will air on March 29th, it is wild to think it's going to span that long, but it is 16 mm. episodes, is Plan 99. I know. That sounds interesting to me. They're for... making a record store. <laughs> what? Because Plan 9 Records. Oh. <laughs> the Clone Doors is going to make a record store. I think Plan 9 might be... I don't know if it... I th- for some reason, I think that's like a Virginia... Oh, so no one else is going to understand. <laughs> anyway, we have a local record store, or did, called Plan 9. Yeah. Any episode names stick out to you? Yes. Um, I feel like there's another Star Wars TV series that had an episode called Truth and Consequences. Yeah, that does sound really familiar. I mean, it's like a very yeah. basic... Truth and Consequences sounds really familiar. The Clone Conspiracy and Metamorphosis are two that could potentially be, you know interesting i think the solitary clone obviously there's a lot of people that could be um we do know in the trailer i think we saw rex again we've seen some familiar faces um we see another jedi uh youngling uh Mm -hmm. who who we've seen before in the clone wars Um, i'm excited about that yeah so i mean there's 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 a lot of really cool stuff coming coming about but um yeah so we'll probably i also love omega's new fit looks real cute yeah, we're probably yeah we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to plow through the rest yeah. of this season. Uh, well, let's do it. Yeah. So this first episode, like Tommy said, is pretty quick. There are some really good moments in it, but we probably won't spend too much time on it because uh, we're gonna get into this Ryloth two-parter. That yes. Is all surrounding about the Twi'leks and Hera and the fighters that are you know fighting against the mm-hmm. occupation there on Ryloth. But this episode, uh, we actually see a very similar thing happening on a different planet. This is called Common Ground. And the summary says the Batch has their ideology challenged. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which happens every time, I guess. But the director, Saul Ruiz. Uh, the writer on this one is Gersimran uh, Sandu, who also wrote Cut and Run. Um, oh, okay. Which is another Bad Batch episode. Yep. And also wrote episodes of Invasion and six episodes of Game of Thrones. Which, wait, which six? Do we know? Uh, I did, None of them really stood out to me. I was looking specifically to see if it was like some of the big ones we know. Or like but, the later episodes? Yeah, or? but I honestly don't remember anything about Game of Thrones, but he definitely wrote six episodes of Game of Thrones. Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty wild. Yeah. Also, uh, Cut and Run, I want to say was, that was definitely one of the earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. Was that, that might've even been. It's like the first or the second one. I feel yeah. Like. Either the first or the mm-hmm. second. Yeah. So the pretty, cat, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, the cast here, we have a lot of our f- uh, familiar faces again. Um, Dee Bradley Baker, of course. Uh, Michelle Ong, of course. Uh, Liam O'Brien. Uh, Shelby Young comes in as Captain Bragg. 
uh, the female um, imperialist that is kind of mm-hmm. helping the occupation here on this planet. She also voices Princess Leia in the Star Wars Forces of Destiny and multiple characters in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um, and she also was in American Horror Story. Oh, interesting. Cool. So as a, as a small role. So uh, obviously we have Rhea Perlman as Sid. Uh, we have C.N. Clifford as GS-8, which is the droid that is kind of like the buddy of the um, senator. I mean, she calls him his master, but they seem to have a good connection. Yeah, it's the uh, it's that like bug eye, the bug the eye bug droid. droid. Yeah. I forget the call like the, symbol or whatever, yeah. but they, they seem GS-8. to be... Yeah, I feel like those are more separatist, like Confederate planet droids. Like, like that's senator where we see kind them. of like guard droids, but not really guards. They're just kind of like menial yeah. task droids. Uh, Sam Regal, of course, is Ketch. And then, oh my God, my baby boy, Julian Bashir from Deep Space Nine as Senator Avi Singh. This is Alexander Siddig. Uh, he does many of other things. He's yeah. in tons of other movies, but obviously, like, that is his main staple role. He's so amazing. He's such a cool guy. I was, like, closing my eyes and just hearing his voice, <laughs> and I was so excited. So yeah. we meet him because he is on Raxus. Which, Raxus is a planet. We kind of just start out. That was the kind of capital of the Confederacy. Confederacy. It also it's also weird saying capital of the Confederacy because yeah. we're because we're from real life. we're from good old Richmond, Virginia and that is that is this Braxis in real life? Yeah. Oh, um, God. But uh yeah, so so we just recently covered Tales of the Jedi, like we mentioned earlier, and we we get more Raxis on in, in that show, right? Mm-hmm. That's where um Dooku and uh, Lee, I almost said Lee, Liam Neeson. Yeah, Liam Neeson <laughs> as um, himself. Yeah. That, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Qui Gon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Raxus is where Qui Gon and uh, I almost said yeah. Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep that in. Qui Gon and Dooku. Qui Gon and Dooku. Thank you. Uh, that's where they they go for some. Political. Kind you just of really want Liam stuff. Neeson to be in right. this as Liam Neeson. I do. Yeah. I mean, he basically is like Qui Gon Jinn is Liam Neeson. <laughs> like same thing. But uh, yeah, so we've seen we've seen this planet before. We've also seen it in Clone Wars. We talked about it a little bit on the episode that episode that we covered. Uh, so if you want a little more detail about that, go back and listen to it. But just pretty mm-hmm. cool that we're seeing this planet again. Obviously, this was the first. This was the not the first time it showed up, but. This showed up before Tales of the Jedi, but Tales of the Jedi chronologically takes place before. Yes. So anyway, just cool connection. Yeah. So essentially what's happening here is they're being occupied. And it seems at first that um, Senator Singh is okay with it. But then midway through him kind of addressing the crowd, he's like, no, fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore, which is very brave. Um, and just says, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna stand for this anymore. Mm -hmm. And the crowd goes crazy. They're so happy about that. And of course, uh, Bragg comes in and shuts everything down and arrests him. And his GS8 droid gets away, or GS8 gets away before anyone can take her. And she kind of runs away and she calls on Sid who is going to send the Bad Batch over to help. Yeah. And of course, the whole situation in this episode is like the Bad Batch is like, we don't want to help with separatists, blah, blah, blah. But if like, if they just for one second listened to him when he showed, like when the droid showed up and was like, no, he's actually like, 
calling out against them, they would have been like, oh, okay. But there's like this whole thing the entire time that's like, we don't want to help our separatists. It's really interesting because you would think at this point they wouldn't care. But also we have to realize like, this is only... I don't even think this is a year after, like, the Empire takes yeah. over. This is, like, immediately. So they still have this kind of, you know, hatred uh, mm-hmm. for, for this other occupying, or not occupying, this other force that they yeah. were basically fighting against in, in the war that just ended. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see that. It's also interesting, this episode and the next episode are very similar in mm-hmm. terms of things that happen. We this see one, this, it opens up the same exact way, right? Oh, yeah. We could just say there's an o- the occupying army. It's basically, you know, they're running down their list of all the most important places they need to go, and they're like, we're here to protect you, and they're like instating themselves mm-hmm. into everyone's lives as an occupying army. Yeah, so it's just, it's, it's very interesting that they decided to do that. I think with this episode, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel as deep as the other one. No. Obviously. They which- did put the hammer down really fast. They're like, okay, jigs up. Yeah, we're going to send these ATTEs out in the middle of this crowd. Yeah. So so what <laughs> ends up... Before anyone even does anything, they're just yelling and they, you know, of course, have to like come in and be super forceful and start arresting people and shit. What I really like about this episode in particular that I think it does better than the next one that we'll talk about is that it really shows kind of the insurgency aspect of the empire obviously the other one does that too but there's that one's that's more of a slow burn right um whereas this is is very much you know they it's more come martial in. the next one is more manipulative they're trying yeah. to still like disguise themselves mm-hmm. um and we will talk about that in a few minutes but this one's definitely like okay we're here to just be an occupying army we're but just i also think in. I also think the like the real world implications in this episode feel a little more real, right? Yeah. Like you were just talking about like bringing in the tanks and stuff like that. Like that feels so similar yeah. to you know in so here, places. but also other countries where like there's an occupying force and mm-hmm. the people have a different ideology than the occupying force does. Obviously, imperialism, mm-hmm. real world imperialism, like there are ties there. But just seeing like the crowds being dispersed with like that much force. Yeah. Um, that's a very that's a very real thing. Absolutely. Um, and I just I thought that was very I thought that was very interesting as we were watching it. And I think that obviously like we don't have walking tanks in real life. Thank but, God. you know, it's very reminiscent of just so yeah. many so many historical things like i think of like like tiananmen square and mm-hmm. things like that like that's what kind of like immediately called to mind of like tanks coming in against protesters you yeah. know and so and these people haven't even started protesting they're literally just gathered there cuz someone was giving a speech yeah and i think that <laughs> that really obviously speaks to the imperialistic nature of but it's also interesting because the empire is very much like, no, we're going to provide for you. We're going to protect you. You're going to be, quote unquote, a free people as long as you mm-hmm. do what we want and do what mm-hmm. we ask. Um, so, so yeah. So, that was a very quick hitting one in yeah. this episode of, like, we get kind of off the, off the cuff. We see the occupying force of the empire just... Sp- really showing their muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like you mentioned, the the batch kind of come in. Mm-hmm. And we also have this other little side story happening where, um, just to kind of give a little bit more development to the Bad Batch and then Omega's part in the Bad Batch, she stays there. Hunter tells her, like, it's not safe, especially with the army there. Like, this time you need to step down. 
And she listens, of course, because she's a child and can't really do too much about it. But there's this entire little thing where she ends up kind of exposing her talent for Dejarek and yeah. strategy. And Sid exploits that, of course. And they but, become friends. And she ends up making enough money to pay off their debt. So, I was going to say, so Sid... I So, first of all, I kind of wish we had more of this yeah, in this episode really than The Batch. Because it was yeah. really cool to see the progression of Sid and Omega's relationship. Um, I really like the two of... Like, the way mm-hmm. the two of them play I off each other. I love that she uh, wanted to up her stakes in the deal. Oh! <laughs> it was... So, I... You know, Sid, that's what I was going to talk about was Sid was like, I'll give you a 30% cut. And Omega says 60. And I was like, there's no way. And then Sid just accepts that. I was like, that's a majority of the freaking deal. Like, what? She does it because she already likes Omega. Yeah. And she's trying to make her less whiny and tolerable while she's having to deal with her. But also she knows that she's going to get paid by the senator, too. So she might as well just deal with it. There's a great moment. I think that I think that's. Sorry, I think that Omega learns a lot from Sid. The, very early on, their relationship in this episode is is kind of rocky. Sid's mm-hmm. basically just like scrub the bar, uh, and Omega's like, "This isn't fair." And Sid has the it very this uh, Sid has the very Sid line of like, "Life's not fair, kid." Like, get used to it. Like, yeah. very like Sid is this gruff like bartender, yeah. um, and then. She also says, she also says to to Omega, like basically, like if you weren't so useless, yeah, like maybe Jesus. they wouldn't leave you behind. And you have, that really, I forget their names, but the two bar patrons that are always there, one's an Athorian and the other is, um, yeah, Sam and Liam's characters, because they, they don't actually <laughs> talk in this; they just kind of like sit there, but they both look at her like, "What the fuck, man?" Yeah, but it is interesting, and they just shake their head at her. It is interesting because I think I think that even though that's a really harsh thing to say to Omega, I think what she's kind of getting at is like, if you can take care of yourself, yes, then they're not going to have to worry about you, which you can, we can discuss whether that's fair or not. But I think that that is kind of the the core of what she's saying. Um, I think she's also, I don't think she meant, I don't know if she really meant to say it in that way, but that's the only way that she could really say it is like, she's also saying you need to prove your worth to them. Like, they already know you are useful, but maybe you need to feel like you're more useful. Right. And, like, tell them there's no choice. Like, you can't leave me because I'm important and I'm, I'm part of this team. Mm-hmm. And I do something very important. Yeah, so. but then later on is where we see... So Sid is playing, I believe, the Thorian, correct? In- no, there's a different... Um, Oh, I guess it depends. Yeah, she plays the authority at one point, and then she plays this other guy. But that's when I was gonna say that's when Omega notices oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. gives Sid mm-hmm. like you know the the kind of like I wouldn't do that move like kind of thing, and that's where Sid picks up on mm-hmm. Omega's kind of prowess for the game, which I'm also interested in how. She I just have knows. no idea how that game works, though. Yeah, like it looks like <laughs> oh, chess, but it's not. There's like maybe four people on the board at one time. There's like no grid. It's really weird. (laughs) But then obviously this is interspersed with the batches kind of maneuvers and things like that. They make their way into the palace. They break out, uh, obviously through a lot of different kind of like street maneuvers. They, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they steal a tank. Um, one thing we did notice is that obviously the occupying force is all clones. Something that's really apparent in this episode that I don't know if you, see very much throughout the rest of the series is anytime the batch is 
firing on clone troopers, they have their blasters set to stun, mm-hmm. and they're not actually shooting. I think they do that all the time, but it was very obvious in this episode because there were so many of them, and yeah. they were just, I mean, every time, blaster, stun grenade, like, never once, like, actually killing it. But obviously the clones are not doing the same No, for them. no, They're no, using, no. like, live rounds and everything, mm-hmm. so that is a really interesting kind of... It's just interesting to see that they're still very much like, we don't want to, like, hurt our brothers. Yeah. You know, they're kind of like... They are their brothers. Yeah, tied up in this, like, not of their own fruition, and Mm -hmm. it kind of sucks. But I do think that that was an interesting thing that both of us picked up on. Obviously, they make... still a little more of that in the next one about, like, the connection between the clones and, like, their desire to actually convince their brothers what they're doing is wrong. And they realize, like, they just need... They were literally programmed else, elsewhere. Like they, they didn't know any better, mm-hmm. and so they're trying to be like, "Look, now, this, this, you know, Order sixty six is over. Like, you guys can still think for yourselves for the most part. Like, think about what you're doing, sort of thing." Yeah, yeah, and then essentially, I mean, the episode ends with, or the this part of them getting off of Raxus ends mm-hmm. with they free the senator. The senator kind of like stops and is like, "I, I can't leave my people." Um, very similar, you know, kind of message there of like, you know, the, the togetherness, t- togetherness, togetherness, the together, Let-kith. that's a hard word to say, the togetherness. Um, and Echo is the one who kind of was very like against helping in the mm-hmm. situation because he was, he was very involved, I oh. think, in obviously the, yeah. the Clone Wars. Uh, so he holds a lot of resentment towards the separatists. And he's the one who kind of has the change at the end of the episode and tells, you know, Avi saying like, you're not going to be able to help them if you're dead. Like mm-hmm. you got to live to fight another day, mm-hmm. um, which obviously shows kind of his character development and seeing fight like another day. <laughs> what is that? It's a Madonna song. Oh, did not know that. Yeah. Um, didn't know that Echo was a Madonna fan. But... Yeah, he is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and that's basically the end of the episode. I mean, there's a lot of... This is another one of those episodes that's just full of action. Not a ton. There's there's substance, obviously. Mm-hmm. We talked about, I think, all of the substance. Sing's but, a great character, and Alexander Siddig is a great voice actor. Yeah, it was a good... This is a sure. great episode. Like, there's yeah. nothing, nothing against it, but it was just... It's very... It's a little too similar to the next episode, and I don't know if that was purposeful because they're kind of setting up that kind of like growing occupation of the Empire kind of mm-hmm. feeling before they get to like the really heavy hitter piece of Ryloth. Exactly. So that's kind of where this, like you said, that's exactly where the next one picks up is very similar to the beginning of that episode we just watched. This one's called Devil's Deal, and the synopsis for this one is, as the seeds of rebellion foment on an outer rim world... The Empire schemes to squash it. Uh, the director here is Stuart Lee. Um, he's probably one of the longest running episodic directors of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And he returned here. Uh, he also was in Rebels. And he also directed Resistance. Uh, he also worked in the animation department for Back to the Future animated series and the Batman series. Wait, Batman the animated series? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, we the Batman. Talk- oh, the Batman. Okay, got it. Yes. And then the writers, um, Tamara Becher or Becher Wil- Wilkinson. Uh, she also wrote episodes of Daredevil, Iron Fist, and Covert Affairs. And she was the post production assistant coordinator for Buffy, the There's Vampire so Slayer. Goddamn, like ra- like random animated Marvel shows that like I know nothing. Like I didn't yeah, know there those was a Daredevil. So freaking many. I don't show. know. <laughs> like nothing against it. Yeah. It was just like I didn't know there was an animated Daredevil show. Or maybe I, I did, but I don't know. 
cast here, we have Dee Bradley Baker, of course. We have Michelle Ong. We also have Robin Atkin Downs as Cham Sandula. This is Hera's um, father, who um, is also a general. Yep. Um, he also played Griff Val or Veo. I don't know how to say the last name. I think it's Veo. Griff Veo in Kotor. Mission Veo, the twi- the Twilight you get to play that has the Wookiee companion. Oh. He plays her older brother, which I think is really cool. Oh, that's cool. So he plays a Twilight in both. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. He actually plays a Twilight in quite a few other Star Wars mm-hmm. things, too, like a whole bunch of random ones, too. Well, in Cham, we see in Clone Wars as well. So yeah. I'll let you get through the rest of the cast, and then I'll kind of yeah. talk. We can talk a little bit about Ryloth. Uh, Faralith Young plays Eleni. This is um, our Eleni Syndulla. This is obviously Hera's mother. Um, she also does voices in Marvel Titans, Assassin's Creed, and she's in the show Cardinal. Uh, Corey Burton is Gobi Guile, who, or sorry, not Gobi Guile, Gobi Glee, who was a resistance fighter who's like best friends with Sham. I thought that was Cham. like Sham's brother. Maybe they were I just like. I don't think it's his real brother. Yeah, because I, think, I yeah, yeah. They yeah. call him Uncle Gobi, though. Uh, Vanessa Marshall, of course, is still playing Hera. So she plays the young Hera and she plays the adult Hera. Yeah, so Hera Syndulla obviously is one of the central characters of Star Wars Rebels. And she's we love her and she is the one who is who owns Chopper, who yep. is our favorite droid the one entire of, world. One of we obviously haven't covered Rebels on the show, but she is that so that show has some of the best Star Wars characters. Like yeah. just Harrison Dula is like my favorite like rebel. Yeah. I think um I like she's such a just well developed and well written character and we see even more of that here. Like they do such a good job with her in these episodes. Shelby Young is Lenk. She was the um hot Twilek that you said was hot in the in the in the <laughs> ship. Uh she's also Bragg who was the senator who was the imperialist that was on the last episode. Yeah, okay, got it. Um Phil Lamar is Orn Frita who mm-hmm. is the senator, the big dude. Uh, we have Vivi Nguyen as Saren. This is, um, she was also in Young Sheldon, Dogs in Space, The Harper House. Uh, Nashir Delal is Vice Admiral Rampart, um, who we've seen before. And then Dave Filoni is Chopper. Yeah. The Chopper boy. I always forget that he's. I know. <laughs> Chopper. But so funny. I gotta love whoa, it. Whoa, 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 whoa. He does a lot of whoa, 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 whoa do in these th- two episodes. Do you think that we're going to get. We're, we have to get live action Chopper, right? In Ahsoka? Because we know yes, that... Yes, and I want Dave Filoni to be inside him. <laughs> <laughs> it's only fair. Other people have had to do it. That's true. It fucking sucks, probably. That's true. I don't think they do that and anymore, put a little but... cowboy hat on top of Chopper. <laughs> yeah, whoa, I, whoa, whoa, I whoa. hope he, does, he still does Chopper's oh voice. God. I hope they don't, like, just do, like, beeps and bloops. Because Chopper has a very distinct... No, he says words sometimes. He goes, uh-oh. Like, he says <laughs> shit. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Um, yeah, so a lot of, obviously, like, this is bridging the gap between kind of Hera's, well, this is technically, like, the beginning of Hera's story, right? Because yeah. we don't we don't see her in the Clone Wars, Mm-mm. but this kind of kicks off her journey. Mm-hmm. After this, I think the next thing is uh, the John Jackson Miller novel, A New Dawn, and then it's kind of Rebels, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the next piece of, of her journey, and then I think we get potentially more of her in Ahsoka. So Heck yes. That'll be interesting. Um, just really quick on Ryloth. Obviously, Ryloth is a planet we have seen quite a bit before. It kicks off in the Clone Wars. We see a number of episodes in the Clone Wars that are focused on Ryloth. Uh, in fact, 
there are eight Clone Wars episodes uh, that take place on uh, Ryloth or are featured in like flashbacks and things like that. A very important place. It shows up initially in season one. We see that there's been like a lot of like political things that have happened. They're under attack by the separatists. So they're kind of occupied um, by this like separatist insurgency. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cham and a number of fighters kind of work to work with the Jedi to free them, but is very reluctant, right? Like, you know, there's some quotes of him talking to uh, some of the Jedi that are helping and just being like, you know, if we free Ryloth only to be under, like, the Republic, then, you know, are, are we really free? Like, mm-hmm. how long before we're actually fighting the Jedi is a quote mm-hmm. uh, that they that he actually says. Well. To, to Mace Windu. Doesn't actually have to fight the Jedi, um, but, It you could know, have happened. Does have to end up fighting the... Um, has to fight, you know, the the, the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, they work to free Ryloth. Um, and uh, that's basically kind of like the, the important details, I think, that we need to know about here. Um, obviously, Cham's whole thing, and he talks about this a lot, is like he's been fighting for a free Ryloth for like a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Like him and his fighters, that's what they've been striving for. And so that's kind of where the episode picks up mm-hmm. of, you know, we see that the Empire is there. Cham at this point seems to be kind of accepting that of kind of, and it's, it's hard to say like if his heart is really in it, but like, it feels almost like a defeatist kind of thing of like, you he's know, probably also just tired. He's tired. Yeah, and he's, he even kind of hints at that of saying like, he's tired of seeing his like people fight and having to, you know, continue to fight. This is the piece that they've been fighting for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's essentially where the episode kind of picks up. Right. Yeah. Well, um, we have Senator Ta who, um, is the the big the big bloaty Twi'lek guy, and he addresses the crowd first. And so we have the very same thing that happened in episode ten. We have you know a figure of the um, city addressing the crowd, and the crowd is like, "Why are these people here? We're done. Why are the clones still here? Why do we need them to protect us?" Um, and he's not doing a very good job. Nope. Because clearly the people want to hear from Cham. And so Cham steps up. Someone even says like, Cham, tell us what to do. Yeah, Cham. We want Cham. And he's like, okay. And so Cham steps up and just says, look, guys, like we fought. We fought with these guys. Like we need to respect them. They're going to protect us. This is the peace that we want. Yeah. Even if he doesn't believe that or not. So he doesn't have the same reaction as Senator Singh, where he just stops midway and is like, no, fuck this. He says, we got to keep going. And we see that continuation of, you know, the um, in this episode, we don't have Bragg, but we have Rampart who comes in um, as the imperialist kind of representative. And he, you know, is the entire time trying to keep everyone kind of laying low and before all hell breaks loose, of course, and is like, hey, we're bringing this like refinery here. We brought it's jobs. It's going to be great. Yeah. We're protecting everyone, but everyone's obviously very suspicious um, Gobi Glee, who is Cham's friend and is still f- like a fighter of the insurgency, um, he is like, he's actually tasked Hera with kind of going to the refinery to just check it out. Whether that's true or not, we don't really know if he actually told her to do that or if yeah. she decided to do that on her own. He's just like covering for her. The first glimpse of Hera and Chopper that we we get is them at this refinery kind yeah. of spying. Well, they're like, there's weapons here. Why mm-hmm. is this a refinery yeah. if there's like a martial presence? This is confusing. And it's important too, and this is again, tying back to real life, they talk about how 
that Ryloth had to give up their weapons, mm-hmm. right? Which is like that feels very bad, and also like a is definitely like an imperialist yeah. imperialism tactic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you take over a place and you say, "Oh, we're going to bring you jobs and we're going to change your your culture," but for the better. You just got to give up your weapon so you can't you fight have to back completely against acquiesce us. Like to you us. know, like yeah. we're not gonna we're not gonna harm you. Obviously, like we're gonna keep you safe. You just have to say like keep in line. Exactly. And so Hera just doing her own thing, being awesome. I love her. Um, they like I think she has like her own uh, piece of music that they play with her. Um, and I love it. It's very similar to Leia's music, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds very like. It sounds just like Leia's song a little bit, but uh, they kind of play that because she has this beautiful little moment where she's like constantly daydreaming about flying and being a pilot um, and Chopper's just kind of, you know, wrecking havoc and trying to help her out. And she actually gets caught by the clone troopers spying on the refinery. So they take her back to the capital or they take her back to the estate and again, like I said, Gobi covers for her and is like, I told her to do it. And whether or not he really did, we don't know. But yeah. clearly there's some tension between Cham and Gobi. Like, Gobi's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, why are you letting them do this? And Cham is trying to insist that, like, we, we just need to do this for right now. Yeah, it's... But Gobi admits, hey, we're actually going to go pick up some more weapons. Um, and that is where the Bad Batch come in. Mm-hmm. Um, Sid is actually tasking the Bad Batch to bring a supply cache of weapons to them, um, obviously discreetly. Um, however, not only do we have Rampart and the like Imperialist army here, we have um, Crosshair. Crosshair. And of course, Crosshair sees the Bad Batch and is like, oh my god, let me do it, let me kill him. Like He's just always, <laughs> well, he every single time. He doesn't hasn't seen them yet. He, he will. He does, he kind of like puts a tracker on... Uh, Gobi's ship Mm -hmm. and that's where he learns like oh they went and got weapons Mm -hmm. Um, and we have this great moment while they're getting weapons while this weird weapon exchange is happening you know Omega's just sitting on the the steps of the Marauder and she's like hi and and Hera comes up and meets her and she gives her a tour of the ship and it's just a sweet little moment of like two little kids being kids I mean Hera's obviously like maybe five or six years older than Omega but Omega's very like mature for her age mm-hmm. and very smart and so they get along even though omega's like hunter's like did you make a friend and omega's like she's kind of weird but yeah i like her <laughs> i was like okay you're yeah. weird yeah it is interesting um hunter very much has and, and i think this is kind of like showing that progression of growth right for omega where he kind of looks back at omega and omega's like can she come on the ship um and i almost kind of feel like hunter kind of gives omega yeah i mean he does give her that permission but i feel like he's just kind of like yeah, giving her the trust right mm-hmm. of being like okay if she because you that normally wouldn't be a thing that would happen mm-hmm. right like you could have any kind of spy or something like that mm-hmm. get on the ship um it is really you're right it is really i love that scene of them kind of like touring the marauder we get Hera very much like I live in, in this awe. cockpit. This is my bed. Yeah. The gunner, the gunner seat. She's like, when we're not being like fired at, like I can sleep here. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a really funny uh, little bit. But um, it's also interesting because you get like, you get a very different kind of aspect of piloting, right? So Hera has this very like lofty vision of like what piloting is. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. Uh, and Echo's like, what? Yeah. And Echo's <laughs> like. tech is like, what? Yeah. Well, and, and. Also, too, Omega is like, I can't actually fly. Uh, Tech says I can't fly until I can, like, name every part of the ship or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and Hera is very much like, no, you just, like, you get in and fly. And then we 
eventually, like, we know Hera ends up becoming, like, one of the best pilots, if not the best pilot, like, in the galaxy mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and and so it is just interesting to kind of see that dichotomy of, like, very, cute. very, like, technical, like, specifics. Like, you have to know every single maneuver. And that kind of comes in in the next episode, which we'll, we'll, her, we'll mention. Her motto is very Jedi-esque. It reminds me of Luke, like, closing his eyes when he goes to, like, mm-hmm. shoot. Um yeah, it, I was gonna say it reminded me of, and I'm still very far behind on some of the novels, but in uh, the Thrawn Ascendancy series, uh, there are these kind of like they're called Skywalkers, uh, and they are these like I I think they're either Force sensitive or there's something with the Force of like they they have to navigate through. Uh, I believe it's through the chaos is what they call it of like this very hard to navigate debris field and like out in like the very far outer rim kind of planets where the chiss are from and again i don't know if they're actually i'm not far enough along in the books to know if they're force sensitive but it seems very much so because they just kind of like are able to go into this like trance like state to help like navigate these ships that's pretty cool and stuff like that and that's kind of what the the feeling that i got from Hera of like Mm -hmm. just this kind of like you kind of are natural, almost like a Jedi in their lightsaber, right? Like it's an mm-hmm. extension, it's a tool. It's kind of that same idea of the the ship and the pilot kind of act as one. So well, whether or not it's force sensitivity, again, everyone could potentially ha- have force sensitivity, I guess, or that could be something that could be awakened. Everybody's like, one with the force, like yes. in a sort certain. But sense. it could be more of like a meditative thing too, and just a, yeah. just a thought of like really honing in on your craft and like being very. Um, having yeah having that tools and extension of yourself um which is so cool yeah but everyone starts somewhere and she kind of fucking sucks sometimes with flying a ship as we find out yeah <laughs> as we get farther into the episode but um so yeah that's kind of and eventually that's essentially the setup is that we find out that you know this army is occupying ryloth and they are discovered you know smuggling weapons back into their into the city and so um there's this Crosshair shoots them down. They fall into a ravine. Yeah. And then Hauser and the rest of them come up on them. And the whole time, Hauser... That's right. And then, sorry. And then Hera gets labeled as a... Immediately, without a trial, she gets labeled as a... like 15-year-old kid. Traitor or what's the word? Treason. Treason, yeah. They say they're they're guilty for treason. They don't even have a trial. Because Chopper comes running in and is like... Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa." Yeah, exactly. He comes (laughs) running into the the city or he comes running into the um, estate where Hera's mother and father are. And he's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're like, oh, okay. What's that, Chopper? That sets into motion. That's where I was getting confused. That sets into motion where th- that's where the second encounter kind of happens. The yeah. first encounter is them is the the weapons kind of coming back. Yes. The ship getting shot down. Mm-hmm. They get captured and that sets up the second encounter which is a little more important which you were just talking about where the Senator Ta Rampart uh they're kind of transporting Gobi and Hera mm-hmm. and that's when Cham and I forget uh Hera's mother's name. Eleni. 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 They end up kind of u- utilizing and mobilizing their k- kind of fighters mm-hmm. to kind of take out that transport. Yes. Um, and then that's where it gets into kind of the main thing where you were talking about. And we see, so before this happens, Rampart kind of sets up Crosshair to be kind of waiting in the wings mm-hmm. for this moment, which we're getting up to, where Cham confronts Cham confronts uh, the senator and is mm-hmm. like, you labeled my daughter treasonous like what did you expect me and to senator, do and the senator says like 
Rampart do something and Rampart's like he's the one holding the gun like he knows <laughs> yeah. like he knows he's staging this whole thing because he then nods and that's the signal for Crosshair to shoot yep. uh, the senator he says he says uh thank you he says thank you for your service to the empire and like immediately that's when he gives a nod mm-hmm. the senator gets shot and then the rest of the reinforcements that Rampart had been quote waiting for that he was kind of playing up mm-hmm. show up and take in Cham and uh and Hera's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hera's able to get away with Chopper. And then that's kind of like where the episode kind of wraps. So we get this setup of now Hera is like waiting to kind of help out her family. Exactly. Um, and clearly Omega and Hera have exchanged information because that's who she calls to. Yeah, She's they... going to call to the Bad Batch for help. Yep. Um, but before we get into that, the name of this episode is Common Ground. And the synopsis is the Bast. The Basque? The Batch is tasked with a dangerous mission. Oh, okay. <laughs> the director is Nathaniel Villanueva, who we've heard from before, and also the writer Jennifer Corbett. We don't have too many new um, people here, but there's a few. Let me see. We have, let's see, I'm looking to see who we've got, who's new. Tina Huang as ESO2. Um, Ness Bautista as ESO3. Uh, Deheli Hall as ESO4. And then we have um, all the same guys. As Does ES stand for like M- M- Empire Stormtrooper? Is that what ES stands for? That's a great question. Elite Squad Trooper is what it stands Elite for. Elite Squad yeah. Trooper. So not, yeah, that would be weird for it to be Empire Stormtrooper. <laughs> I mean, basically, that's what it is. But, you know, yeah. So um, we open on this one in the detention cell in Lesu, which is the capital of Ryloth. Um Rampart is standing outside the prison cell, kind of mocking Cham. Then Rampart orders Hauser to scour the planet for more of Cham's supporters. Hauser knows that Cham did not try to assassinate Ta. He has this moment where he's like, we saw what happened. And Cham, and Hauser's like, I, I, I didn't really see where Cham shot him, but okay. You know, there's like, obviously the skepticism. Rampart sets it up as like, well... Tell well, me, like, what actually happened exactly. then, Trooper. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, what are you going to do? Um, and he, you know, I kind of feel bad for Hauser. He realizes that he's in a situation where, like, he's a he's kind of, like, he has the leverage because they still believe that he's loyal to the Empire, but he's obviously, like, skeptical of that and is like, I want to save Hera. He even asks if he can go be the one to save her, and he get shot down and told that he's not the one that could should do it hauser um, is a very sympathetic character like the whole even like you yeah. even see like throughout the whole first episode any of the t- like times he shows up he very he's very level-headed he's he he very much like has he doesn't seem to be like very ingrained with like the yeah. following he's constantly orders. questioning yeah so he he seems to be generally a good dude mm-hmm. um obviously um elaney and cham don't believe that or at least they're kind of upset with him, you know, like, why should we believe you anytime he comes to visit them in the cell and ask them later on, he asks if they know where Hera is and they refuse to give him that information. And he's trying to plead with them. Like, I'm not going to tell the empire. I want to be able to help her. Um, however, Hera, we find is um, hiding in an old resistance bunker of her father's and she calls Omega and the bad batch. But when the bad batch get there, Hunter is like, Again, kind of how we saw in the first, ep- like in that other episode, he's like, this is too dangerous, even mm-hmm. for all of us. He was like, there's just no, there's no way we can help if we're dead. He says there's a whole battalion. Like, how are they supposed to like fight? And they also, Tech also notices that Chopper's here. 
And he's just like, there. this is just a bad scenario overall. So Omega and Hera, Omega having just come off of the last episodes where she is, you know, finding her footing as this really kind of a great strategist. Um, she comes in and says, we just need to find a strategy that works. We need to convince Hunter that it's going to work. Yeah, she tells, she essentially tells Hera, like, you know the planet better than we do. Like, what, what do we need to do? Mm-hmm. If we can tell them and convince them, then we can kind of get there. And they do. They come up with this plan to... Attack the refinery. Mm-hmm. Take out the, the weapons that are there. Yep. To try and draw off uh, the troops. Before that happens, they do kind of this surveillance, right? Of like, mm-hmm. they go and they see the occupying force. They notice that Crosshair is there. There is a probe droid that mm-hmm. finds them. And that's where Crosshair kind of finds out that the batch the batch. The batch. There. Uh, the rest of the batch. Um, and he's like, let me at him. Let me at him. And... Uh, Crosshair, of course, like warns Rampart. He says, like, you know, we gotta watch out. Like the the Bad Batch are here, or clone clone force ninety nine, and uh, Rampart's like, we have a whole battalion. Like, I'm not worried about it. Uh, and he's like, yeah, that's not enough. Crosshair's like, yeah, that's that's not gonna be enough. <laughs> so then they we kind of jump back. At least it doesn't underestimate them. So. Yeah, <laughs> this is where Hera kind of formulates the plan. Tells them attack the refinery to draw off the troopers. Then that allows for you know the the rest of the team to kind of go in and rescue her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, the big kind of issue is these these unmanned cannons. Yeah. And the idea that they come up with is to have Chopper go and take them out. Um, oh, Chopper. Chopper is, like, supposed to hide amongst other droids and he make his way in. in. Boop, boop, boop. He immediately gets caught. Um, of course. He also is not an astromech, like a typical astromech droid. He doesn't look like any of the other droids that are with everybody, but no one seems to care about that. But obviously, he, you know, yeah, he it's gets very, caught. It's this very funny moment where they're like, okay, everybody have your chain codes out, and like they have their droids and stuff like that. And Chopper just kind of sits there, and he's like, fuck that, I'm not going that way. Yeah, and, and he goes, just goes, his, goes, <laughs> goes his way. Um, but, and, you know, of course, anytime, he's kind of like R2, though. Anytime something bad happens, he's like, oh, I just got to stun this fucker. And he's just stat, like stunning everybody he sees. Yeah. But Hera and Omega, Omega convinces Hera, like, we got to just take a ship, essentially. Um, and I think it's a it's kind of the same class of attack ship that I think the Marauder is, just not modified. It kind mm-hmm. of very looks very similar to it. It's very heavy, and she has a very hard time yeah. <laughs> getting it up at first or getting it off the the ground yeah she causes a lot of mayhem they're able to take out the uh the explosion and that's where tech and um tech and echo are able to like kind of come in Mm -hmm. after that and cause some cause some trouble that draws the rest of the kind of battalion members out to get them i do think there was this was what i was referring to earlier where the feeling versus kind Mm of uh you know following the rules where tech says to Hera like you're yeah, you're confusing us and yeah, the, uh, bad you're, guys. You're not only confusing us, you're confusing them. Yeah. Uh, there's also a really great moment, too, before they even get the ship off the ground where Omega says, um, obviously, like, they're just supposed to, they're supposed to, like, go in, take out the the cannons covertly, and then kind of go out of there. Oh, yeah, Tech's like, there's a lot of explosions over there. And Omega's yeah. like, yeah, it's us. We're yeah, good. Yeah, Omega's like, Omega's like, no, we're doing fine. Just don't shoot us down. And Tech's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, very much like, the plan doesn't go their way. They have to improvise. Obviously, that happens a lot mm-hmm. in this show. Uh, and they're able to still kind of bring, draw the the other forces there. 
jumping back to the kind of capital, you Obviously, see... Obviously, Crosshair knows. Yeah. Like, he realizes instantly that that is what the whole scenario was supposed to be. So he and his group kind of swarm around the exit that they assume um, Harris' parents are going to come out of. Um, and Hauser stops him before sees, they get there. He sees, yeah, he sees this happening and he's able to kind of group mm-hmm. up with Hunter, Wrecker, and the parents and mm-hmm. say, or sorry, Wrecker is on the ship. It's Hunter and uh, Echo. Mm-hmm. Tech, and, Tech and Hunter are on the ship attacking the refinery because obviously Wrecker is the heavy yes. explosions. Yes. He wouldn't give up the opportunity to blow shit up. Exactly, which is what he does. Um, and Hauser stops them. And at first they're very skeptical of him, but he says, look, like, I'm very, I'm sorry. Like, you're right. I was in the wrong place. I just want to help. And Champ steps down and says, okay. And Hauser says, you guys have to go. Go take the senator's, like, private ship and go out that way. I'm going to face my guys. And he says something that really sticks with Hunter, I think, Mm -hmm. at this moment where he says, like, they're still my brothers. I can still reach, I can still reach out to them. Yeah. And Hunter kind of pauses at that. Which I think is setting up, you know, the fact that he realizes, like, you know, again, they've been stunning all these other clones. There's a there's a there's a way in which they can somehow reach out to them, and not just them, but Crosshair. Yeah, I um, there's a moment, and I was I'm curious what your thoughts are on this because this is like reading outside of the text. Mm-hmm. But there's a moment, obviously, where the ship is flying away. This is after how it sort of kind of like reaches out to his men. Mm-hmm. Um, that crosshair looks up and you have this moment of like Hunter looking down to crosshair and crosshair yeah. looking up at him. Part of me wonders if there was just, cause we, and we'll see this later on in the series uh, when kind of at the climax of, of season one where crosshair, I wonder if crosshair feels betrayed in this moment, right? Of like yeah. how it comes out, reaches out to his men, but like he knows right over on the other side of the door is one of his brothers. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of like pieces out. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. I was just curious what your thoughts are. on. Oh, like, absolutely. If you think that like plays into Crosshair's demeanor. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's the, the exact thing. I, I think that he, I think Crosshair's always kind of felt different. Um, he's built different. He's built different. Like I said, he looks like one of those, <laughs> those animation sliders, like Elder Scrolls, like something like sucked all of his fat out of his cheeks. He's a very skinny guy. He's a very, he a very, he's skinny, a very skinny dude. But anyway, that's not why he's upset. Um, he's upset because his brother didn't even attempt to, hasn't hasn't attempted mm-hmm. once to talk to him. Uh, Omega did at the very beginning. Remember? She yep. said to him, I know what you're going to do, but you don't have to do it. And I think she, he just didn't know who she was. Yeah. I mean, he wanted to hear that from Hunter, probably. I think. And he didn't. I think the more, because I, I remember, and we'll talk about this, I think, when we get to the later episode, but I remember the moment in kind of the finale where they kind of confront each other, spoiler, um, but we're getting there pretty quick, mm-hmm. um, that it it seemed, it felt out of place that he was kind of like, you like left me behind kind of thing. But like the more I think about it, the more I think of moments like this, where it's like, maybe he just wants them to have been like, like another like just on, reaching out with again us. like yeah. come with us um and give him that chance um but that's what hauser does despite having fought with his brothers yeah or having fought against them he says 
I, I can't do this anymore. I yeah. have to. And he faces them as they all stand there. He feces them? He feces on them. He poops on them. <laughs> and they go, oh, no, poopy. No, he comes out. He faces he them. He faces them. That's what I said. You said feces them. Oh, he faces them <laughs> in the face of all these guns mm-hmm. and riot shields and shit. And one guy comes out and he stands up against them and says, Think about what you're doing. We've been protecting these people. We fought with these people. And now you're sitting here about to shoot them down. This also, to me, is one of the reasons why. And a lot of the storm and a lot of them drop their guns and weapons immediately. This is why I think and this is why these two episodes, I think, are this. Sorry, these two episodes and then the one prior, I think, are very important because I think the Empire knows. And this is I think there's always been this question of like, why would you get rid of these clone troopers that are like bred for fighting and part of the reason is that i think that their brotherhood because they've been through a ton together like all these troopers have been in like you know war together they look just like one another they're able to probably connect with each other much better you know and they're they're also just soldiers right Mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the reasons why the empire is like so adamant of getting rid of them because even with their programming it seems like some of them are able to reach out to one another and like get through to yes. them, which we see here. And that's why they want to bring in people who are, I mean, it's kind of like that fascist model of like bringing people who are oppressed, who have mm-hmm. to fight, who are f- afraid that if they don't fight, like their fam- families could be killed. The only family the clones have are, the, are their brothers. Are yeah. Um, and so I think even as after like Order 66 happens and now they're just like following these these orders, I think that they're able to like reach out to one another and mm-hmm. that bond of brotherhood is like strong enough to bring them bring them back to the other side kind of mm-hmm. thing um, and we see that in this episode and then also too just seeing kind of the oppression that the empire brings maybe this is dumb but maybe that's the missing piece of order 99 is that they end up convincing the rest of the clones to leave because obviously maybe all the clones are gone yeah. once they become the imperial army they're all they're all just well, people we see we see in uh obi-wan right there was that clone trooper who was just kind of like on the street begging so like you know there's a lot of questions about like what happens happens to the rest of them so yeah i'm curious as to what plan 99 means um obviously so the they're able to escape um jumping back into the to the episode details they're able to escape um Actually, I'm blanking on like what the actual end of this episode is. Like, that's- oh no, I mean they're able they're able to escape, like you said. <laughs> um, they go to Ord Mantell, and the Bad Batch actually land with the Sundulas and the fighters. Um, Eleni offers to pay Hunter, but he does not take it. Um, Cham says they need to organize, but Hunter says his own people need him because. Cham is like, you guys also are a part of this. Like, yeah. you're not going to be able to stay away from this forever. And Eleni says, like, the war is coming. Like. You're you're gonna need to be you're gonna need to help, um, and then back at the refinery, the last thing we see is Rampart talking with Crosshair, and Crosshair is finally like, "Let me go hunt them down," and yeah. he says, "Okay, you can do it now." Yeah, Rampart's like, "I guess you were right about them." <laughs> like, yeah, I and- guess you're right about these people that you were cloned to be exactly replicated of and, yeah. and have worked with for years. Okay. Rampart's such a like he's a Dummy. great villain because he's so. He's so effective, but also ineffective at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like they do, they do a really good job of making him very sinister and seeming like he is this master tactician. But also, his kind of uh, 
He's oblivious of something. I don't think he's oblivious. I think his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. His ambition, his drive is kind of that thing that gets in the way. In a very similar sense, I think that's why him and Crosshair probably play really well together because Crosshair's ambition of taking out, <laughs> taking out his brothers at this point um, is also like what his driving factor is. Mm-hmm. So. That's very true. But yeah, that's the Ooh. end of this two-parter. Yeah, there was a lot in the the episode prior. A lot of really good episodes. I mean, it, it's you'd be hard pressed to, for me to say like what my least favorite episode they're of the Bad so Batch good. is because they're all very good. All Even so the ones good. that are like you know the the one prior to the Ryloth mission still great yeah it was like even though it doesn't it just didn't have a lot of things happening but there yes. was great act there was great voice acting there were great little comical moments like and i'm sure fine. i'm betting i i'd be willing to bet that like obviously saying might make an appearance in season two i hope so yeah we'll see what happens there but um i'm sure that like it's rare that they leave a string dangled out and don't tug on it later on exactly (laughs) so we might end up seeing him return but a lot of really cool stuff in all of these episodes and yeah very excited for season two very excited absolutely we're so close well that is it for today's episode we are at distant echoes sw on twitter and instagram and you can find us each individually tommy where are you located in this galaxy i am at awkward comma on twitter and i am at cassie thulu turn in turn in next time Tune in next time when Uncle Gobi teaches Hera to parallel park. Mmm, that's gonna be that's gonna be a toughie. We might have more death involved on accident. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.